Little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step are you are you even making it in life if you don't have a little bit of tax fraud going on but you know what respect I mean, you could probably have a pretty good, like, hotel seminar game going for, like, divorced <laughs> men. I don't you know. Under, I don't you're going to get a phone not. call from um, me, the Wolf of me, Wall Street. Tell, tell me this pen, Gatto. Yeah. You're, you're going to get, like, you're going to corner the market of Gary V's and uh, Wolf of Wall Street guys. Honestly, wait. it takes, like, one tailored suit and a PowerPoint presentation, and you're in business. You do That's need your own clicker, though. Okay, we got So work. if you have to expense that, do it. Everything's an expense from that point on. Tom, how was your Memorial Day, sir? It was pretty fun, actually. Um, had some folks over. We had a couple people who we who used to live in Greensboro. Now they live in Virginia. They came down. Uh, a friend of mine from Greensboro came down as well. And we raged. How many Vizzies? Um, Too many. I had, I had no Vizzies. But we did have a PBR keg, which was nice. So I will say I oh. enjoyed myself. I had a fun time. But the keg that we had, the tap does not work properly. It wasn't tapping. So you needed to wait a long time for the foam to come down in the beer. But you got like half a cup. But at the same time, like had I known that, I would have just bought my own tap and had not had that problem. I feel like that's always a risk that you run when you rent stuff is the tap not being good. And is unfortunately, it, this tap sucked. Is it me, or does it seem like wine should be sold in kegs and beer should only be sold in large glasses? Definitely like a barrel, right? Because like that's how like, yeah. some, like crafted. I mean, whiskey, too. Whiskey should be fucking sold in a barrel. Well, there is such a thing as bathtub beer. In a bathtub, yeah. <laughs> I want like a fucking old bathtub it's been in like an Alabama basement since like 1947. Hey, why is Bath Fitter at your house right now? Oh, they're <laughs> dropping off some beer for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> that video you made, man, was fucking hilarious. I, liked it. It was yeah. good. I needed one more person though. Um, what what inspired that? Where did the inspiration come from for that? Yeah. So for those who don't follow our Second Mouse podcast. Instagram, it is, in fact, Second Mouse Podcast on Instagram. Do us a favor. Give us a like and a follow. If not, skip ahead. So we were at a Memorial Day party that I was hosting, and I had seen a number of, like, Instagram reels where it's like, choose your fighter, and it could be anything from, like, what you wore in high school, um, your look when you are in college, or even – like 
corporate bros and what they wear at the office. So, you know, you, you get into like that fighting position, like you're a call of duty character. And I said, you know what we should do? We should do Memorial day weekend fighters. And, you know, I was already in a tank top that had a, a college name on it. And I was like, I'll be the college bro. That's easy. Um, yeah, it's super easy for you. Yeah. Thank you uh, for bringing the face shields down too. Cause we had the vape bro there as well. <laughs> Which and every vape bro is got, now gonna go out and buy one yeah, of these. They're so all get your pilled. face shield now, folks. Yeah, they're all fully filled on the face shield. The vape bro had to be my favorite. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Nathan. Um, he's the shout out to vape bro. <laughs> shout out to vape bro. Um, and then there was just a mountain of sangria at our house, so I was like, this this tracks. So let's do that. <laughs> getting getting your wife involved, I love it. <laughs> yeah, she loved it too. <laughs> Um, it was great until I forgot to one, put music in. So I had to take it down and then put it back up. And then two, I tried to post it on, um, I tried to post it on our second mouse page, but we got like a red flag because it had music. I'm surprised you go with like a Mortal Kombat theme or like, or, uh, like Super Mario Brothers or something. I felt like what was chosen was perfect for Memorial Day weekend. It it, it was, yeah. (laughs) because <laughs> it, it kind of had the Mortal Kombat like movement, yeah. And also, and ultimately, that's the stuff that's playing at like a bar at the beach when people are just losing their their shit. So, all the same, we're famous on Instagram. Again, you can follow us at Second Mouse Podcast on Instagram. But yeah, it was a good time. What is like? Do you think that like Memorial Day weekend is a bigger drinking weekend than Fourth of July? Hundred percent. What is what is it about that though? It's the start of the summer. Oh, that's a good point. So if you think about it, like yeah. that's when beaches open, that's when pools open, that's when like many of the beach bars open as well, because that was also the first weekend that Bordy Barn um and the Drift and Beach Bar, that's when all those places would open. They'd open Memorial Day weekend. Just surprised that like Bordy Barn is just gone. Like it's still not doesn't feel I mean, it, it, it does feel like unfortunate, but at the same time, I don't think there's there's only so long you can get away with that for as a company or as like a business. Granted, that's something that's like truly grandfathered in, because if you try to do something like that in Hampton Bays now, it wouldn't happen. It's also kind of like the longest running gimmick on Long Island, if you think about it, or was, because it think- was kind of a gimmick. Do you think that it was more of like a nostalgia thing for us? Or do you think people in their 20s were excited as we were to go to like Boy Barn? People I in think their 20s people... are definitely not as excited about anything as we are, but still probably loved it. I think that of all of the things that we remember when we were younger, Bordy Barn still would hold up in terms of like what our memory of it is versus what it actually was. Because it's it's really a simple concept, right? It's like you just get super drunk listening to really like shitty music. Everyone's dressed like shit. So like it's not about like you have to be super fashionable or anything. You have yeah. to look anything. Meanwhile, the guy that runs the place is just like, oh hey, you got all those defective and old kegs of beer. Want to sell them to me for a discount? <laughs> I got an idea. Check this out. All right. That'd be but the thing that makes it so great is that 
everybody has essentially the same experience. It's one thing if like you or I had an experience in Gatto or somebody else said like, I don't remember it like that at all. Like everybody remembers the Bordy Barn for what it was exactly. And you okay. said it perfectly, Q. It's so simple. You can't fuck it up. Uh, to that point, though, everyone remembers that they can't remember it. And that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, that's, sure. This also tracks. This is it's, also true. <laughs> it's it's the only place that a collective of Long Island has gone to to just forget and lose an entire rest of their night. It, it the, the brilliance. I, you know what? The one thing I loved about the Bordy Barn, though, was it felt kind of special, mainly because of the fact that it was only open the one day per week and it's only open for a couple of hours. It was like, I don't know, something about maybe about the exclusivity of it that like made it feel different than like just going to like because like I would say Dublin Deck is a much better experience. Like, you know, it's a it's a like it's an actual bar. There's it's kind of got similar elements. I, I want to say that there's just less rules, less less etiquette rules. That's that's the thing. That's... It's, it's it's pretty much it's pretty much mayhem at at Bordy Barn. Like you can't do yeah. that. You can't get away with what you do there. Yeah, like people are fucking straight up molesting you with stickers the entire time. You, like a dozen beers have been spilt on you. You do not care. Yeah. There's definitely some form of throw up on your one foot. Beer like, pork, you just pork, you just yeah. shake it off. Yeah. And everyone lost their voice because they were singing "Sweet Caroline" as loud as humanly fucking possible. You get hit in the face because some guys, some guys trying to mimic, you know, the devil went down to Georgia. You just don't care. Yeah. Just... The expectation there is that there you should not have expectations. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. Is is because you're also getting there the fucking ass crack of dawn if you unless you know somebody at the door. So like you're you're spending your entire day on a line and then just get in there just to drink shitty beer for a couple hours, but that's the point. It's the experience. It's the most important part about it. But yeah, I I'm excited about summer starting. It's fucking ninety three degrees here right now, so I'm not loving that. What's the temperature for you over there? I'm trying to decide what's better, New York. Uh, it's it was ninety three degrees when I went out there at noon today. Um. It didn't feel as humid as I was anticipating it to be. So it's 87 right now with 40% humidity. So it didn't feel as bad, but all you got to do is wait a few more days and then the humidity will creep up and it will be brutal out there. Yep. Humidity sucks. Yeah. My boss asked me if I played golf yesterday. I was like, you know... I had certainly thought about it, but it was going to be one of those days where you like have to dog your way through 18 holes, and I didn't want to do that to myself. I didn't want to drop 40 bucks to feel like shit and just get tooled on the whole time. Good call. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty fucking hot out there, right? And it's supposed to—is it supposed to drop down near you? It's supposed to drop here. I know it's supposed to get cooler the rest of the week. Um, I don't think so. I think it's supposed to get hotter here. Guys, this like this is what the summer is down here. Like it's hot and muggy and it rains periodically. Good to know. Well, Tom's been trying to convince all of us to move down to North Carolina. That apartment you fucking send is like there has to be a catch. There has no. to be. 
There's there's no catch. I'm telling no, you. There's gotta be like there's gotta be like howling cats in the walls or something. <laughs> that like only gonna... howl between the hours of like two AM and like six. I was gonna say there's like a stipulation that you have to like live with like a rabid fucking like dog or something in your house. Like it has to like live in your bedroom or something. You have to drink one drop of somebody else's urine every day. <laughs> it was, you know, uh, it's, it, it seems manageable until you have to do it every day. <laughs> and they eat a lot of asparagus. They're an asparagus heavy diet. That shit was $1,200 for fucking two bedroom, two bath. And it was three miles away from, uh, like Charlotte, like pretty much downtown. Yep. Fucking insane. And we were it. just we went up to a place called Plaza Midwood and looking at like townhomes up there. It's like twenty seven hundred bucks for two bedrooms and a I think two and a half bathrooms. So if you get another person, you know, you're it's a little bit pricier, but you're getting like two floors, you're getting a townhome with a probably garage. Um and you are actually in a in a better place than Uptown Charlotte, where there's not a ton going on, but Plaza Midwood has plenty of stuff. Would you say that's like right near like the city? You are. While you are not directly in Uptown Charlotte, you don't necessarily have to be because Uptown Charlotte is basically like corporations or like corporate headquarters and stuff like that. And you don't really want to live there. No. Um, Plaza Midwood's a Plaza Midwood is a neighborhood. And there's like breweries and bars and good restaurants there. So I would live there. And this episode is again brought to you by Zillow, North Carolina Real Estate Foundation, the Charlotte Chamber (laughs) of Commerce. (laughs) Goddamn North Carolina propaganda going on here. This is brought to you by the County of Mecklenburg. I, I now know why Bo Hines follows us. And it's, it's because we talk about real estate in North Carolina yeah. more than anything else. I mean, he's a Wake County guy, so that's that's Raleigh area, but I'm sure he's just jelly. Ah, he's probably got a diversified portfolio. That he hasn't reported to anybody. Yes. Well, that's the most important thing. They can't tax you for what you, you don't know about, so or they don't know about. So... Uh, Tom, I was a little preoccupied this weekend and preoccupied being drunk. Um, so we got a we, you got a DM from author. We did. I don't, know, I don't know if you wanted to talk about that or not. Um, I mean, it didn't really go anywhere. I think he was hoping that we were people that got scammed by cryptocurrency, and we were just like had a podcast to complain about it. Because this would have been the perfect entrance to a chapter in his next book, with right? That. Because as soon as as soon as he asked me, the question was, um, let's see here. The question was, how are you coping with the recent massive crypto dip and bloodbath on portfolio? And I said, the three of us aren't into crypto. We just watch it. We w- we just watch the casino game from afar. And I said, it's been pretty interesting to watch though. Between Miami Coin and the Monkeypox Coin scam, it's been pretty fascinating. Last question was any interest in coming on the show to discuss it? Nothing back. He now, read all of these, by the way. He read all of them. Didn't respond. Now, what, what's odd about that is because you—he was one of your picks, right? Correct. Your, so, you and is, is he by trade a crypto guy, or is he more of like a just like journalist about money being essentially like? Give give a summation of what his book was again. So the book, um, again, is called 
money, the true story of a made up thing. And it's basically about like how money has come about um, okay. ranging from like gold and silver and precious metals being used to, you know, the formation of like modern day cash where it was like a, a voucher for money that gold that was in a bank that you could exchange with people and then they could go and get it for gold. And then ultimately the switch over from the gold standard to like a, a currency by fiat right now in the book, they're talking about the 2009 financial or 2008 financial crisis with Bear Stearns being kind of the, the canary in the coal mine and then Lehman brothers, and all of the mess that happened with the investment banks. So it's it's more of a narrative around how we've all perceived money and the value of money and how it went from something that was actually valuable to something that just was a representation of value and how money now has become more theoretical than anything else. Oh, so basically we do have cryptocurrency. We just called it money still. I mean, essentially, it's all, it's all bullshit. <laughs> well, if you, well, if you think about it, though, like the twenty dollars that in your pocket, it's twenty dollars because the federal government says that it's twenty dollars. Yeah. Not necessarily that the paper that it's printed on is worth twenty dollars, but the government has declared it to be that. The and trust that the citizen has with the government declares it to be a twenty dollar bill. Correct. That's kind of the gist of it, yeah. Because ultimately, all those goons that say we should go back to the gold standard or we should use gold again, like, they don't realize that gold's actually real fucking heavy. And you need a lot of it in order to, like, buy shit. And Wait, also just... David Oz will come to, like, pay for my groceries. I'm going to, like, Right. Save. Like, you also have, like, purity conditions with it as well. Um, and I... Ultimately, gold is a precious metal, yes, but unless you're going to use it for electronics, it really doesn't do anything. Let's be honest. Those are the guys that got pilled on those, like, 10 a.m., like, Fox News Network infomercials that, like, buy gold now. Well, more often than not, those are also not scams or scam lights because they're not actually sending you bars of gold. You're buying certificates to say that you own <laughs> gold. <laughs> Like fucking they're not just like that. they're not just gonna fucking DHL you like a bar of like <laughs> like gold with a seal on it that says Anthony Gatto. The more it's going the to be like a certificate that was printed on somebody's Epson like inkjet that says like congrats, you own seventeen dollars worth of gold. It's it's hysterical. The more that you talk about this, the more I'm just like, Oh, everything is cryptocurrency. We just called it different things before. Yeah. And I <laughs> Going back to the author for a second, because I'm kind of intrigued about how he, I have the question he asked you, mainly because, like, we, we you didn't mention anything about really, I don't, I don't, did you mention anything about crypto in your post that I'm assuming that's what he saw? We talk about it so much, though, that but I'm yeah. sure. You, so I think my question is, do you think he actually listened or do you think he saw you tag him in a post and just made an assumption? I think he just I because I did tag him in a post and the the podcast that he's affiliated with, mm -hmm. and um, I think he just saw it for that. Okay, because I'm just like I'm not sure we talk about it a lot, but like I mean, I don't I don't think we talk about it in a way that is like 
we're bitter about crypto. I think we just kind of laugh at the absurdity of it, but is it fair to say that he's a fan of the pod? (laughs) Yeah. Fuck it. Who cares? I mean, (laughs) maybe there was a chance that he was going to ask us to be on his podcast and we beat him to the punch. And then he just said, never mind. Maybe that happened. Yeah. But I don't think we would have scared him away that badly. Who said we scared him away? Maybe he's a busy guy. He is writing books. Like, the most I've ever written is uh, fan know, fiction uh, at this point. For the most part. <laughs> yeah, but all the same, um, Jacob Goldstein, if you want to come on the show, you're more than welcome to. You have to bring an asshole of the week and a pick of the week, and it cannot be your own book. He can do a plug, though. Yeah, he can plug his show. We let Philly plug uh, Friends with Low Expectations. Philly. Was he one of the uh, people? He was. Okay. He was fashionable guy. Nice. So I, I do want to talk about Tom Cruise. Okay. Something about Tom Cruise we should know about. It's a kind of a conversation that's been going on. Well, we we can we, you know, we can come back to this, but just to kind of give you a summation, so give you an idea. There are some people who have been talking about Tom Cruise because it's like he's been kind of on a recent tear. Um, Mission Impossible movies fucking kick ass. The new Top Gun is getting like crazy good reviews. It's killing it. And I think there's some people who feel like maybe we shouldn't be celebrating this guy because of like his ties to Scientology. So it's I think when I, I think my question is, can we can we separate what what is the what is the barrier which you're willing to separate the art from the, uh, the art? I don't know. That's slow, such a slippery slope, like because I could just easily say like how how much more batshit is Scientology than like Mormonism or any of these people that follow like Gwyneth Paltrow's like spiritual new age spirituality shit. Like to me, all of that stuff, like, is he, is he doing something with it? Like that's bad. Like, is he, is he hurting people with it? I'm confused. Well, that's the thought process, right? Because there's, um, there's a lot of talk about Shelly Miscavige who, is the wife of David Miscavige, who's kind of the head of Scientology. She is, a, a, at least for some people, they deem that she's been missing for a long time and that they don't, they, they've, no one will pretty much look into it because of the power that the church holds. And again, this is all circumstantial. I'm not making any claims here because I don't know any better, but there's people like Leah Remini, if you've ever seen King mm-hmm. Queen. She's left the church and has said many things about it. And it seems that they are very protective of a church that has at least some people accused of trying to ruin their lives if they try and leave. But my question to that, though, is like, how much different is that than like, you know, someone like Mel Gibson, who's like fully pilled on Catholicism and how terrible like the Catholic church has been, you know what I I mean? And how many people they've fucked with or ruined or killed over the, the centuries that, you know, like the point, Gatto, I think that's the point is like, why don't we treat Tom Cruise like Mel Gibson? But that's what I'm saying. That seems to be the debate as a way. I, I don't necessarily know how I feel. Like I, I certainly understand that, being a part of the Church of Scientology clearly has some problematic stuff involved with it. But there are also a number of other actors and actresses out there and performers that are also involved with the church that they kind of fly under the radar because Tom Cruise has taken a lot of the heat. I'm I'm on I'm looking right now like 
Kirstie Alley, although she doesn't have the same name recognition as Tom Cruise does currently, Ann Archer, let's see. John Travolta. Uh, John, John Travolta yeah, being say, one. He's, he's Dougie really Fresh, well. Jenna Elfman, Isaac Hayes, uh, <laughs> Elizabeth Moss, Giovanni Ribisi. Elizabeth Fred Moss Van- is a big one because like people talk about The Handmaid's Tale. She's literally in The Handmaid's Tale, which is like a story of subjugation and all that. And it's like a lot of people have said that is like ridiculous that she's in that show when she literally is a Scientologist. And it's weird. Cause it, like none of them really want to talk about it. The, you know, some people have tried to like, cause I mean, again, like, you know, you ask Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson about Christianity or Catholicism, he'll go, he'll won't stop. probably won't stop talking for the next three weeks, but a lot of them are very like tight lipped about it. So I think there's at least like some people feel that, Tom Cruise kind of skates because he's uh, because he's like an, a top A-lister. Yeah, I mean, that certainly could be the case. And I, I, I would hope that somebody who is in his kind of position is not involving himself in the day-to-day operations of the Sea Org or any of those other really sketchy affiliations that they have. But I, I think it should... I don't know. I have a really hard time with this one in the sense I'm not like defending him, but there also are celebrities out there who have some very, very not good opinions on things that we also don't necessarily get into a lot simply because they're, you know, they're, they don't fit a narrative. You know, you have, you know, you have certain celebrities that are very conservative. Some of them are, you know, anti-LGBT or, you know, they, they, they hold certain beliefs that are not a part of the mainstream, but they, they get away with it because of their star power. So, you know, I, I think, I think Ted, Tom Cruise is kind of, I think he's bought a lot of goodwill with people because he also does a lot of good things too. And, the the Scientology affiliation is just a part of him that it's a part of his identity. It's not necessarily all of his identity. Well, Q, you mentioned something too about like how it's kind of there's a lot of mystery what's going on behind the veil. And I think for a new religion, it would be really hard to just like show up and like get members without like especially with what they're kind of selling. Um, I think they need to keep that mystery to get you involved. And and the problem is that that comes off to the rest of us that go, we're not sold on that as sketch because we've seen a million scams before. We know the makings of a cult. Um, it doesn't take, you know, a pair of golden spectacles or whatever to fucking see a scam coming our way. Um, I don't we know should, why I'm we, hating on Mormons so bad right now. <laughs> we should... We should note, though, L. Ron Hubbard is completely full of shit, by the way. Like, For sure. A majority of his life story is completely fraudulent, and he made up a lot of things. So, like, the foundations of Scientology are kind of fungible based on the facts that we have. But continue, Gatto. I just wanted to emphasize that, that we are not, like, low-key, like, half-tab-pilled on Scientology. <laughs> no, but I mean, like... I. If we compare it to any other religion, how much different is it? And I mean, I think the big fear is like we we have there's two very different designations of religion and cult, right? And I think a lot of people sit here and think that 
this is more of a cult than it is a religion. But like, I have such a hard, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt just for the fact that I don't see them like, you know, killing people or voicing opinions about like, you know, bo bodily autonomy. So, uh, you know, I just don't care enough. <laughs> I, I think, I think when it comes to Scientology, they do wield a lot of influence, which is no real difference than like the Catholic church or the or Christian church or anything. I think the one thing I have issues with is that it's someone like Cruz who does lend it credibility because we look at him as a movie star. And, and, and I think it's a matter of, of like, yeah, we probably shouldn't take our cues from any, anybody in the media. Celebrity hero culture. Right. Yeah, that shit is garbage. Yeah, Don't follow I, these people. I agree that in a bigger conversation, we should start separating ourselves. Because, like, how often does it happen now where we see, like, famous movie stars says something that we disagree with and everyone gets angry? And it's like, why do you fucking give a shit? Yeah. Like, move on and, like, maybe, you know what? Don't go watch their movies now. Like, the, the problem is they're probably going to still be successful regardless. Like, I mean, obviously, Scientology has not hurt Tom Cruise one bit uh north travolta uh but if this was but, somebody in your like un, like somebody that you shared an office building with i i don't think I, you would just like all right whatever this guy's a fucking weirdo mm -hmm. you wouldn't like go to your boss and be like this person needs to be fired immediately i mean right. guys we do have an entire segment week to week in which we call people out for the stupid based religious garbage half the time that they say um, however, I think there's like, there's a line to walk with that. Right. And mm -hmm. it's like yeah. when you're, when, when you're actively hurting people or, um, taking advantage of a system, that's when we're calling you an asshole. When you just have weird beliefs, you're just a weirdo, you know? Yeah. I think my take has always been that like, you should be aware of it because you are putting your money towards it. So if it is something that you disagree with and you have your right as a consumer to ultimately not spend your money in that direction. So. I mean, is it that like every time I buy a ticket to Top Gun Maverick, like a new Scientology church is built? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, is that what's yeah. happening? Exactly what happens. No. Uh, <laughs> I will say, though, like that that's the thing is because like I'm I'm kind of like I I don't know how to feel because like I love the, the Mission Impossible movies are fucking rad as fuck and um i do want to see the new top gun movie though but there's you know there is a i think there is a, a there is a question about you know with, with certain things because like we we allow certain things to kind of go on and don't really call them out i think especially Cruz, like he gets away with a lot because of the fact of how famous he is to where some people like you're constantly reminded of like their their misdeeds to where he kind of like you know, being the like he's like the figurehead of Scientology. I mean, but that's the only thing that people really have on him, though, right? Like, he's very friendly with David Miscavige. So, like, the the thought process is, if there is credence to Shelley Miscavige being missing, which yeah. some people, then again, I'm not making that claim. I'm simply just saying that that's what some people are saying. They could easily dispel the rumors, and he could be a person that could lead that charge, and. He refuses to talk about it, apparently. So that's the thing that I think some people kind of lump him in and say that he, you know, 
I guess, guilty by association. Yeah. But to the same extent, though, like, and I don't mean to make this big of a leap, but what is the difference between Tom Cruise's affiliation with Scientology and then just like politicians shaking hands with Mohammed bin Salman? Oh, yeah. To me, um, so actually, I would say the form, the, the latter is probably worse. Right. Like, this person has actually like given an order to murder somebody mm -hmm. and we are still like trying to cozy up to that country in Saudi yep. Arabia. And, you know, you, you see celebrities at soccer matches with this guy. It's like, you, do you know how this went down? Like, do you know, I mean, the dissident was one of our picks of the week a couple of weeks ago. Thank shout out to Jeff Thomas for that one. But at the same time, like I think people's willingness to be around power and influence will also there, they will, strip away some of like the the moral ickiness that comes with it too and i think you could ask that question to a lot of like the directors and the producers and the other actors that are willing to participate in films like if scientology is truly that bad then you have to look at all the people who are the who are involved in these films and you have to ask them like if you're truly standing up for human rights why are you in this movie I think it's also the like there's been a large rise in like what people refer to it as paras parasocial relationships. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's you thinking you know you know somebody because you listen to like you listen to their podcast, so you know them. So when they do something out of line, you're like, I can't believe they're doing that because I know this person, and it's like, well, you don't really know them. You know their on screen personality, their persona. But and we're seeing that with, like, I think that's with politicians. I think it's one of the worst things that happen with, like, politics. Because, like, Trump's cult of personality is, like, a, it's a parasocial relationship, you know? It's, it's like, imagining that he's your friend and he's, like, he doesn't give a shit about you. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, especially now, I think a lot of people are losing that uh, uh, disillusionment because it was seen last week when we talked about the episode. You know, we talked about the episode with the primaries. And it was like, yeah, nobody... Nobody's really siding with you anymore about a stolen election. Like, if if you really thought it was a stolen election, why are you still trying to get elected that same way? Right. Yeah, and that <laughs> you're that... still in this system. Why are you doing this? Yeah, exactly. So, like, we're we're having that. They're having that moment where they're like, "Well, why are you doing this?" Like, and they can't. It's all for not. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So you like what you're saying, like that. There's that break in reality that shatters the illusionment that they are like that person right and that's what yes. we're seeing with with that Definitely. for sure um i mean has has uh tom cruise i mean i know he he didn't have like a great relationship with who who was the girl that he was dating for a while it was katie holmes katie holmes like that was a kind of a tenuous relationship but like when like other people like um you know your everyday person interacts with them like how are those interactions i just i'm curious i i don't know i think i think he's i think he's always been kind of a mysterious dude um i think a lot of people like him um miles teller who is in the new uh top gun movie praised him and said he's you know really good actor i think he's but very like, professional extremely professional the one thing that leah remini has mentioned though because obviously as a former scientologist she's not afraid to speak out um she has mentioned like there was a video that came out, uh, an audio that came out like I think 
two years ago. It's on the set of Mission Impossible, and it's Tom Cruise like ripping into people because they're not wearing a mask, and it's basically like yeah, screaming at people because like you're gonna get this fucking shit said. You know, you're gonna get a shutdown. You're being irresponsible. You're gonna get people sick. And again, this is all conjecture. But she was saying, I wouldn't be shocked if he put that out on purpose because it's all about framing the argument like, oh, see, because like she said that a lot of them are like they don't believe in viruses like Scientology. It's like they don't believe in that shit. So why would he care about wearing a mask? It's either because he only cares about the money or because he's doing it on purpose to try and like make it like give the appearance that he cares. Right. So. I don't know. He's making like, like publicity in that sense. How much, for, how much of what we see is really him, and how much of what we see is the persona that he wants us to see. But again, this is too much of like this is like I I'm just throwing stuff out here because I don't. I mean, it's it almost sounds like he's being a hero in that. Yeah, at yeah. the time he was like being the responsible one on a scene, uh, you know, on a set, and um, all I can take from it is that he. He advocated for people to wear masks at a time that there was discourse right. about wearing masks. So that's that's cool with me, I guess. That, that's the amazing thing, though, about him is that he really does elicit a lot of different responses because there will be somebody somebody like you, Gato, who will make that point, which I think is quite rational. Like, yeah, maybe he was just mad because people were wearing masks. And then other people were like, no, it was a covert thing to like get good publicity and like he doesn't really care about any of this shit and it's like well that's it's, the bigger problem man is we're lending ourselves to just these like these fantasy thoughts we're having or these paranoid thoughts all the time like we can't trust anything once we have established no trust like all truth means nothing you know what i mean like we have to take what is actually happening in front of us to a certain extent like even if it was all an act from that logical perspective like he was still you like telling people to put on masks you know like that was the end result of that in action like even if it was for this nefarious reason we don't have any proof on it but right. we're deluding ourselves into a greater you know sense of apparent paranoia because of it like don't do that to yourself that's not good mental health we have a mental health crisis in this country like I think we all see what we want to see, though. Like, ultimately, if you have a preconceived notion in your head, like, Tom Cruise is either a hero or he's a villain. And depending on what your impression of him in film is, ultimately, that will dictate what your impression of him in real life is, kind of going off of what you were referring to earlier, Q. And we do this with everybody, too. Like, we get a we get an initial thought. Because the human brain, regardless of what people want you to think, the human brain does stereotype to make it easier to file things away and process. And ultimately, you know, major public figures, they will be stereotyped in our minds. And in some cases, it's hard to break away from that. Um, and, you know, I think, I can't remember what this is called, but like you, you have like a notion built in your mind, you have a decision and then you like back work it. You, you like reverse engineer it to find a reason yeah, you're essentially you already you are, you made up your mind and you're basically just looking for any like circumstantial evidence to, to support your claim at that point. Yeah, exactly. So I, I would I would wonder if there are a number of people that are out there doing that with him or, 
you know, they know something that's different. Ultimately, like, I, I don't I, give a shit about, I don't give a shit about Tom Cruise. I'll go see the movie. I'll think it's good. I like a number of the films that he's in, but ultimately like his life and the things that he does in it are not going to dictate my life. I mean, I think, I think you were getting at the point of like bias confirmation. My yeah, problem confirmation bias, bias. Yes. Confirmation bias. Yeah. Um, my problem with confirmation bias in our current day and age is that we can take literally the same thing that happens and we will just twist that to, to make that point in ways that like we're not actually looking at even a fact to confirm the bias anymore. We're looking at just like the way that that statement is being presented to us and making a judgment off of it has nothing to do with facts. And that's one of the problems at heart. Yes, I would agree. I think that's fair. I did not expect us to take this deep dive on Tom Cruise. I got well, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> topic. I think because of the fact that he really is like the last fucking movie star in this, in like you know, for us, like mm-hmm. I mean, really, like man, sixty fucking years old, and he still does all of his own stunts and. Like they're saying this, this like because Top. Have ever, ever, ever anybody ever seen Top Gun? It's kind of a corny movie, and like this one is getting like universal praise. Like, or it might be like a masterpiece. Seeing a lot of um, reviews and stuff about just being like mind blowing, best movie you're gonna see this year type stuff. Yeah, I think so, pretty it's, incredible. It's getting a lot of praise because it is the anti modern action movie where it goes very low on the use of CGI. And right. if you look at so many of the, the current films that are out there that are action films like Jurassic Park, we'll get into the Marvel movies later um, or any of the other major action films. Like we're going to have an entire film in uh, Avatar two and three that are going to be completely CGI. And you can, you can tell that when actors and actresses are in complete CGI films, that the acting is not as good because they are not reacting to something they're seeing in front of them. They are having to act a response versus most of the stunts that were done in the new Tom, new Top Gun film were filmed in actual airplanes and actual reactions from the, the supporting cast. They're doing flips. They're doing dives. They're, they're doing things in planes that will push your body to, to extremes and you're actually seeing them live through that, but they're also trying to act in a situation as well. So it's, it's a much more immersive film than what you might get currently from some of the major motion picture blockbusters where, you know, that's two or three like big ticket actors and actresses are standing in front of a green screen, like having to pretend that they're seeing something scary in front of them. I agree. And like the fact that like, I think also people are, kind of captivated by the nostalgia of it all too yeah a movie, it's a straightforward movie yeah yeah i mean but all, you just think about also like that like this is a movie from the 80s like how often do you ever see a sequel come out like this late was it 35 years yeah that's wild it's and like apparently he didn't even want to do it he had to be convinced into doing it and like it's going to be a huge success. So, but like, I mean, the Mission Impossible movies, man does his own stunts. He broke his leg doing his stunt, you know, <laughs> barely healed, goes back, keeps doing it. And, uh, you know, it's just pretty incredible. Yeah. I think he, as an actor, he deserves a lot of praise. And 
you know, there's, there's, you know, actors of his age who have kind of checked out at this point, or they're trying to do softer roles where they're, they're less immersive or they don't have to do as much and they're just going for, for cash grabs. But I feel like him and Nicolas Cage have both had a really nice, like, come back a little bit. Tom Cruise has always kind of been there, but Nicolas Cage coming back to something good. And these are like stars from the 80s and early 90s that are coming in and, and thriving. All right, guys. So we are going to transition to something that happened last week. And it, and it seems to be whenever we record an episode, uh, there is an unfortunate incident that happens. And that was the the Robb Elementary shooting in Uvalde, Texas, where 19 students were killed and two teachers. Um, again, we are recording this and it's going to go live probably a week and a half to two weeks after the shooting had taken place. But initially the, the frontline story has changed dramatically in the first 72 hours of the incident occurring. So um what ultimately has happened is there was a school shooter who broke into a or walked into a school after allegedly exchanging gunfire with a school resource officer who we've come to find out that never even happened. Um, he proceeded to go into a classroom and kill students and a teacher um, while the Uvalde Police Department was, quote unquote, formulating a response under the impression that this was just a barricaded suspect situation. But what ultimately found, came out was none of the police officers were willing to go in and put this guy down. What they did instead was arrest, pepper spray, handcuff parents who were trying to get into the building to rescue their children. And it wasn't until a border patrol task force showed up and took it upon themselves to go in there and take this guy down. I want to be real delicate here because this is a story about children, but where are you guys with this? Q, let's start with you. The Sandy Hook kids would have been going to college this year. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty crazy to see something happen here that doesn't happen anywhere else over and over again. And like gun ownership is not, like universal to the United States. I mean, you know, you look in Nordic countries, they have a lot of big gun gun ownership, but for some reason only here is where you see this type of shit happen. And, you know, you go back, I mean, we're, 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 we are very much the Columbine generation. You know, we were all very young when that happened. Um, I was, I think like 10 years old when it happened. And so we've lived our lives with always that kind of thing hanging over our head. And then they wonder why we're so nihilistic. Um, I, I I just don't know. At this point, I don't think anything, like, I don't know what needs to happen at this point for people to change their minds and to be open to reform. Uh, because, I mean, 19 children are dead. And I believe it was three teachers. Um, but the, the thing that drove me insane was you referenced it before was they first mentioned that he had body armor on. Yeah. It was later proved that he did not have body armor on. He had a tactical vest on, but no body armor. No body armor. He had, I think, crashed his car near the scene, and police officers had engaged him, and then they backed off, and they let him go into the school. 
a lot of people were saying uh, Ted Cruz was pushing this narrative of a open door. It was an open door issue that has been debunked. Apparently that it was not a uh, open door. He apparently uh, pried the door open to get inside. Um, so, you know, Ted Cruz had the bright idea of only having one exit, one entrance and one exit in a school. Like that won't be a fire issue. He's an idiot. Um, yeah, that's pretty, pretty far for the course with him. Um, it just seems like every day we're learning that, especially in this case, I mean, Sandy Hook was one thing. This was not only a horrible tragedy, but it was a huge uh, misstep by the police force there. And I believe that their police force got roughly about 40% of the budget. Mm-hmm. They make so, a lot of money make a lot of money to and like and i'm hearing a lot of like conservatives coming out and basically saying that oh due to the way that the people are treating the police they don't want to put their life on the line well then it's time to find a different job because at the end of the day if you're a police officer your job is to assist people in danger especially children i mean if anything more than anything children if if people in the media being mean to you has put you in a position where you don't feel like you want to, you know, risk your life, which is like, again, part of the job time to find a different job. And maybe it is time to start lowering their budget because it it doesn't seem to be helping. They have all these weapons, they have all this big equipment and it doesn't seem to do shit. So how about we take some of that budget and push it towards, you know, more important things because apparently it's not like they're using it anyway. But yeah, it's uh, again, I don't, I, it seems like everyone's kind of gotten numb to this at this point. I don't, yeah. I don't know how to Gato, what you got? I mean, I'm just sad, man. Like 21 people did not need to die. I mean, young kids, this one's a very specifically dark and odd case in the sense that, like, we have no real motive behind why he chose kids. Like, why did he choose? Like, one thing that I did hear was that he actually didn't have a driver's license, so he didn't know how to operate a vehicle. He did not. Uh, so maybe it was just a target of opportunity. Um, but it still doesn't, ex- I don't know, it, it doesn't explain away any of it. And it's just so frustrating. I mean, uh, at this point, like, because it, it, we know that, there's just going to be inaction. And if there's any, anything that is done is going to be some sort of agenda pushing cosmetic, you know, patch of, of legislation or funding that will not address any segment of the heart of the problem, you know? And, and I don't even, I'm, I'm in such a place at this point that I can't fully determine what that problem is. I mean, yes, I can say guns, 100% 100% are a core tenant to that, right? And there's something that needs to be addressed with guns. Now, how do we address what that problem is with guns while still somehow keeping enough people happy? It's not going to happen. It's it's fucking insane. It's, you know, it's wild because you were talking about the funding for, you know, th- this was a a well-funded, this wasn't like you know, middle of nowhere police municipality that didn't have many people on staff or, you know, this was a well-funded, lar- this is a large community, right? Uvalde is a pretty populous area. Um, kind of. It's it's decently populous, right? Yeah. 
Yes. Um, and and they had a large police force that's well funded. And I like Q said, you know, it's like, oh, didn't Abbott didn't Abbott like cut funding for like mental health and stuff? Yeah. Which is insane because now they've lost that scapegoat. Right. Because they the first thing they wanted to say was this was, you know, a mentally unhinged person. And in this case, where I would say a lot of other ones were like racially motivated or, you know, they were they were people that had wanted to commit a hate crime like this one specifically. I actually do believe that this was a disturbed individual. It just like, you know, it's like, how do we I think the problem is that when we address this problem, we solve this problem. We're solving larger overarching problems of our current society that that have really like that are all contributory to why this is happening there's so many so many different wide variable issues to why this type of stuff is happening it goes back to addressing the symptoms and not the ultimate problem right like the root cause is being completely like disregarded right whatever it might be it might be multiple root causes but ultimately I think well, that's truly what the problem is. There's too many root causes. We have too many systemic issues that are creating this perfect storm of tragedy. Yeah. It's going to get worse, too, because um, the Supreme Court apparently is um, mowing the idea of removing uh, a lot of gun laws, especially New York's uh, open open carry law. They're, they're gonna, some people have said that they're going to rule it unconstitutional. Um, so, you know, states' rights until... It affects your agenda, and uh, the U.S. By the way, the Supreme Court has always mentioned, and they've always reaffirmed that the police have no obligation to protect you. Yeah, they've reaffirmed that many times with many cases that they have actually no constitutional like they're not there to protect. They 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 don't have a job to protect you. So like that's why never see these guys really ever face any repercussions. So you're right. It, that's true. And they reaffirmed it in 2005. But the Uvalde police actually had like an active shooter. They had two active shooter trainings within the school district a few months prior to um, the shooting taking place. And one of the like primary tenets of that training is if you are in the area, it is your responsibility to to stop the shooter. And all of these individuals essentially abdicated their responsibility to help them. There was the report too that they pulled their own children out of the school first. Oh yeah, yeah. There was a there was a report too that a, there was a woman who drove forty miles to get to the school, got handcuffed, wiggled her way out of the handcuffs, scaled a fence, got into the school, and got her kids out before anything happened. And I think the part that bothers me the most is that there's, there's a 45 minute stretch where nothing happens. And it's been referred to as a quote unquote lull in the action. When in reality, you know, it was happening. Then this guy was going, going around the room and shooting kids. And there was multiple 911 calls that came from that room. The -hmm. police said, if there's anybody alive in there, say you need help. And, there were kids that were saying they needed help and the guy would just go up the, the shooter would just go up to him and shoot him. Like it's just there's one child that survived who smeared her friend's blood on her and wow. acted like she was dead. Oh my god. And I, I think there's what are we doing to kids? 
like, I think that's a big question that we should be asking ourselves is what are we doing to a generation of children, giving them the expectation that this is going to be something they're going to have to do to survive. These kids should be worried about playing Pokemon and shit. Like, why are they worried about like, are they going to die on their way to work on their way to school? It's wild, man, because like older generations want to like shit on the youth all the time. And I'm like, this is a perfect example of like why they don't want to like listen to them in the first place. Like mm-hmm. why, why they disregard their, their opinions about things like, dude, like you're not, you're not leading them. You're not, you're supposed to be there to, to help them, to protect them, to guide them. And we're fucking failing miserably. That's so fucking sad, man. Holy shit. I, I didn't hear that story till just now. And that, that fucking broke my heart, man. They uh they talk about <sighs> nihilist and like we are because like the economy shit the environment shit and it's like all this shit's going on and it's like and like you know <laughs> inflation jobs don't pay us enough to be able to buy property and shit and it's like what 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 do we have to be like celebrating like I can buy fucking monkey pox coin oh great cool <laughs> love that for you. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think there's the, – the part that makes it worse is now we're starting to ask what is the what is the most egregious part of this too, right? Is it the crime that occurred, the tragedy that occurred, or is it the cover-up that's being done right now to shield a lot of the officers from any kind of culpability? And it really bothers – and I, I, I think I speak for everybody here. It really bothers us in the sense that you know we had to listen to – two and a half years of police forces saying that it's their job to keep everybody safe. You know, the black lives matter movement is trying to villainize the cops and the defund the police movement is only going to hurt communities. But ultimately like all these dudes are still rolling around in fucking punisher shirts in tactical gear. And it's just, it's fake army. Like the, thank God for the border patrol guys who showed up and were actually willing to do the fucking job that these guys didn't want to do. And, you know, there's, this was a school that also had a number of security measures in place where it had high tech, like card readers, and it had a a tracking program to monitor social media accounts of their students. It had a number of things that the state paid for them to have, and ultimately, none of them helped. Like, none of them solved the problem because, you know, you have six officers that are assigned, six resource officers that are assigned to the entire school district. And the one that was supposed to be there was not even there. So that whole narrative about, like, him exchanging gunfire with the shooter, like, that never, that shit never happened. He just walked in. It, it really damages all credibility to any any police action moving forward for anything i think it also is illuminating the fact that maybe we have to review anything that we hear after the fact about the the post report from police and question it a little bit scrutinize it a little bit more right Um, the the response for columbine was 20 minutes gato and this was 45 dude what are we doing here man and and Columbine was what thirty years ago, thirty two years ago. It was two yeah. kids, and was Columbine yeah. kids. So like you have two active shooters going on at the same time. Yeah. And and you know I think um, the the podcast and YouTube channel Breaking Points does a really good. They've been covering this 
pretty extensively over the last week or so. And, you know, say what you want about Sager and Crystal Ball. Like, they've done some really good reporting on this, and they have asked some really hard questions about what does this mean for trust in our, like, protective services in the sense of these are the people that have, you know, they've made it clear that their job is to keep us safe, but they're they're when push comes to shove, they're not willing to do that. And you should be asking a lot of questions right now about why do you need all this money if you're not going to use it? Why do you need all of this community support if you say, well, technically our guys were scared, so they didn't have to do it? And then why do we have to find about this find out about all of this 48 hours later? And Greg Abbott went up there and Ted Cruz went up there and Ken Paxton went up there and said, we should be praising these guys. I'm like, they didn't do fucking anything. You know, what's even more fucking David Axelrod, David Axelrod tweeted out in moments like this, this, we should realize something, something along the lines of like, this is why we should celebrate police. And it just goes to show that Democrats don't know how to control fucking narrative. They, they, they're so scared of losing voters because of, the way defund the police sounds, despite the fact that it's really all defund the police means is treat police stations pretty much like you treat fucking schools, like the way Republicans treat schools. Stop giving them so much money. Stop letting them have high grade fucking military weapons. Stop giving them fucking tanks. Maybe if we didn't have. Yeah. Maybe if we didn't arm them to the T with fucking tactical shit and fucking, you know, all this weaponry they would have to come up with more novel solutions to deal with problems in communities and you'd see less people getting shot or less police brutality because they'd have to rely on their smarts more than they would on their weaponry or their technology and their empathy and compassion for people exactly they would have to learn how to use those skills again if they didn't think that the only way to go about their job was through force and yeah, Q, and to your point, man, fucking Democrats, I, like, you know what, I'm going to call you my assholes of the week right now. Because, yes, Abbott and Ted Cruz, you are fucking fine examples of pieces of shit, especially with everything going on from the way you handle the initial reaction to the way you've been boggling and changing your stories um, and to the way that you flat out basically said you're not going to do jack shit about it. Fuck you. But... The Democrats have just already turned this in to a fucking campaign rally call. And you know what? They're still going to get their fucking asses handed to them in the fucking midterms because we can't wait. People, the American people don't want to wait till November to decide on this. We want action now. We don't want inactivity from our politicians. What the fuck are you doing? You're you're basically we're talking about the police you know, basically saying we don't want to risk our lives. They're not willing to risk their careers to do their goddamn job either. The politicians. Yeah. So they, and, they enable bad behavior. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, I hope that fucking, I heard rumors that Biden was going to do something with an executive order. Um, I'm waiting for it. I still want to see it until then. You know, I, I think that we're not going to see jack shit from our leaders once again on this topic. And that's really, it's, it's, really annoying it's really angering frustrating and like one last one last thing because i'm on a i'm on a bit of a tirade here but it you know it's it's insane to me to think that we just celebrated uh memorial day right and 
I think it was Saturday or Sunday, Biden went to go visit Uvalde. He placed down flowers um, at like the memorial site for for all the kids and teachers that had died. And then the next day, he did the traditional thing on Memorial Day where he goes to the grave of the unmasked, uh, the unnamed soldier, and he lays a wreath. And I just think that those unnamed soldiers, those that have fought for our country, would never want to see that he had to go and do that for those kids. You know what I mean? Like, you're you're letting down everyone who's ever done anything for this fucking country in that sense. It's a, I'm I'm like I'm just upset by this shit, man. By, really by, by the Biden, by the way, had already basically said that he's going to leave it up to uh, Congress to do something. Of course he would. I, but I'm, I want to point out that, like, I do want them to do something because I want to force people to vote against it. But at the same time, I think we need to address that the Supreme Court is going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. And they're not it's not going to change. I mean, you know, Gorsuch is what in his 40s. Same thing with Kavanaugh. Um, really, Alito and and Thomas are the ones that are even like in their seventies. Uh, they're probably going to have a majority for a time, and unless they do something about the Supreme Court, because like they're going, even if you, even if you were to pass something, they would just rip it to shreds anyway. Yeah. So you're really it's it's until you, and this is why the Democrats need to run on expanding the court. And I think it will be popular, by the way, because when you talk about Roe v. Wade, right, if you if you if abortion is as as has the support, like it says 80 percent support in this country, if that is the case, then people should be for expanding the court at this point and people for like passing meaning meaningful gun laws, if if which the Supreme Court will not allow if if people it's time to put your money where your mouth is. And it's like the the Democrats are basically down 10 fourth quarter. With you know, two minutes left, so you need fucking hail mary. It's hail mary time, you know. And if so, if they're gonna lose, they they should lose on their values. Hundred percent. If you're gonna lose, lose the way you should, and go out swinging. Don't fucking you know. Don't don't go down fucking with your nothing can get better type of bullshit. No, talk about expanding the court, and I guarantee they're probably gonna receive a positive boost for it because people are fucking sick and tired of this shit. Why does the party that didn't win a popular vote maybe what once in the last fucking 20 years and they have five justices compared to four? I mean, think about it. I mean, really the only who's I think who's was there a single justice that was appointed during a time in which the person won the popular vote? Maybe Alito. Alito was appointed by George W. You mean for the Republican Party? Yeah. Because Gorsuch and fucking Kavanaugh were and, and Barrett were all nominated by Trump who lost the fucking popular vote. And then you had uh I don't I don't remember when uh Roberts was inaugurated was 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 sworn in, um or Alito. Um but like <laughs> all all done by people who didn't win the fucking popular vote. And they get to decide on the most meaningful legislation in this country. It's just it's fucking insane. Yeah. Um, I want to move on real quick, but I do want to read that David Axelrod quote here. Um, The inexplicable, heart-wrenching delay in Uvalde underscores the indispensable role of police. Fuck you. What? Doesn't make sense. 
fucking cretin. This is what happens when you don't actually know what to say, so you just say Words. anything to that's, try to make. That's Obama's top guy right there, by the way. That's just yeah. your scores that the corporate left in this country will side with fascists over like any meaningful legislation. That's a generally stupid fucking tweet from him. He's a fucking idiot. Anywho, um, I want to move on to what the response has been thus far. And um, it's, it's quite fascinating really because um, we were talking a little bit about what the left is going to do versus what the right is going to do. So the right is saying that we should harden schools and, make them harder for people to get into. There should be ballistic blankets on the walls. There should be only one entry and exit point for schools. There should be bulletproof glass. There should be um, armed guards at every school, or there should be um, man traps where it's basically like a giant bear trap for humans. And on the flip side, (laughs) the left is saying that we should have um, an assault rifles ban and we should have um, other stringent measures in place to prevent people from getting firearms. I do want to point out, though, that this individual would have gotten his weapons regardless of whether there was a, an assault yep. weapons ban or not. Yep. Um, and in Texas, you don't need a driver's license. You just need a state-issued ID. And that's pretty common everywhere. So, guys, where are we with some of these uh, suggestions. Let's start with the left side of the aisle in gun reform. I mean, I was going to address um, in, in the reality of things is that I, I want to see, I, I would like to see a lot of both sides on this one. Honestly, I don't think there's, I like in my realist opinion about things is that I don't see, I don't ever see our, our fucking leadership coming up with ways of dealing with this problem legislatively um so i do actually see things like for instance i saw when they built schools now they're going to be building hallways on curves because then it reduces the line of sight for uh, a shooter and there'll be places to duck down behind things um built into the into the hallways and stuff and i'm like those types of innovations will probably be the best thing in life-saving that we will actually see in this country. However, I think it's time that we talk assault rifle ban. We need it. I think it's important. You don't need it for hunting. You don't even need it to protect your home from fucking bad guys. If that's, if that's really the argument here, there's plenty of other options besides that, you know? Um, But the problem is I don't think it's enough either because you can go out and you can buy a, kit and you could turn a you you could semi-automatic rifle into into an automatic automatic. exactly yeah so it's it's not you know we won't because we still won't be smart enough to outlaw that we will never dare do that and if someone has the will i guess they will do it right um and the problem is that if you look at the, the last two big shootings that have happened um, the idea of background checks don't really work because we don't have anything on 18 year olds, right? There's nothing that we don't have any information on them. They're, they're too green to have a background that would lead to you saying denied, right? Which again, maybe this is why we need to raise the age in which you can legally obtain guns, which will be 
a, a non-starter for this fucking country because how dare you, you know, deprive someone of that right? Which is weird to me because I think personally we should probably just like lower the drinking age to 18, raise the fucking gun ownership age to 21 so that you deal with your problems like an adult and drink through them. But Gatto, I, I, I just want to add one thing to that. A disproportionate amount of shooting deaths occur with individuals who are between 18 and 20 years old. Mm -hmm. So there is some data behind the possibility of raising the, the legal age to own a firearm. I just wanted to add that in there, but Q I'll let you go. I mean, I think that's great, by the way, I really think that we should raise that age. Uh, Q sorry. No, 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 you're, you're right. Um, gun shows have to be the first thing on my list um, that are going to have to go. Um, mainly because of the fact that there's no, there's nothing that has to happen during a gun show that like you literally could walk up to the guy and say, yeah, I'm going to use this to hurt. Some and if that person decides like, Hey, that's your business. They, there's no paperwork. There's no uh, background checks. There's no nothing that happens. So, and obviously I, I, I think if you drive a car, right you should have to go get a license to have a gun, right? And I think you should have to go through a certain amount of hours of training to get one. Um, I think you should have to show proficiency in it. And I think you should have, obviously, yeah, you can't be someone who's, um, you know, been institutionalized or something like that. But I think more importantly with a license, I think it has to be either free or extremely cheap because, I think that would lead to a discrepancy of only people of means being able to own a weapon, which I don't think is fair. Yeah. Um, so I think that has to be played into that part. But the biggest thing, again, that will all be for not unless you stop gun shows. If yeah. And, and the, the gun mills that will just, just sell guns to anybody too. Those, those five, those packs that we were talking about, those like expansion packs to be able to turn things into, Automatic, they have to be banned, and you have to put harsh penalties on them to stop people from even considering buying or selling. Yep. I mean, assault rifle ban worked, right? When we let when we let the ban lapse in this country, fucking shootings went through the roof. Oh, we have too want, many spineless leaders these days, man. I, I want to kind of go back for a second because Tom, you had mentioned about a Republican response that we should have like an armed guard at every school. The amount of like, they don't want to pay anything towards schools. They want to defund pretty much to the point where they, they can't even afford textbooks. Teachers are going in, into their own pockets to fucking buy supplies. And they think that they, that these smaller schools that don't have much, that much money to spend at all are going to be able to pay to have a fucking armed guard at all times there. And what if that armed guard gets sick? And he needs to be miss work, right? So you need to have another one. And what if both? What if one's on vacation, and one's sick? You, so you need like a bunch of armed guards per school. And then it's not school; it's just school. You got to go to malls, right? You got libraries. You got fucking movie theaters. Movie theaters. So when does it end that we're just going to be living in a world where it's armed guards around twenty four seven, right? And, and you brought up a good point there, Q, in the sense that. And, and Gato, you had mentioned it too about how the way schools are being designed now. So basically what you're saying is we need to design schools like a World War One trench. Yeah, pretty much. 
And I, I have to think that with adding, I think there's something wildly problematic about having armed people around young children all of the time, because you are constantly putting them in a state of fear, in a state of anxiety. And you're removing the, the idea of if it could happen, it's, it's only a matter of time until it does happen and how incredibly defeatist that is in the sense that, sorry, we can't actually do any kind of actual legislation to protect our children. But what we're going to do is we're going to turn these schools into basically a military bunker where, you know, the, the windows are very small and there's only one point of entry and you're surrounded by armed guards the whole time and everything is regulated. That sounds like a prison to me. And, and not, not to mention, Tom, to build on that, you're, we already have a problem with state workers, police, shooting unarmed teenagers. Right. Now you want to put people with guns in a school. That's a great idea. Oh, I love the other one. Uh, the other solution that they came up with was like neighborhood watch, but like with the parents. Oh, boy. Like armed to the fucking T in the school. Yeah, because, you know, the guy that nearly beat the shit out of the, the fucking softball coach with the baseball bat, he's the guy you want protecting your kids in the classroom, yeah, right? Yeah, that's exactly the person I want with a long gun walking around. I recommend everyone to watch uh, Jordan Klepper. He did a great um, thing on The Daily Show about uh, about good guy with a gun. You know, so we talked a lot about a lot. Of, it's, it's, it's a classic Republican response of like, all we need is a good guy with a gun. So um, he basically outlined how easy it is in like states like Florida to get an open carry, right? And the idea that somehow we just need more guns to be around because then there's always going to be a good guy with a gun to stop somebody. Um, there's a group that he with called Alert has two R's in it. And they are actually like help people, uh, tr you know, basically train and learn how to use firearms safely. Um, and they have basically said um, that a lot of the good guy with a gun narrative is bullshit, mainly because of the fact that due to the FBI study, 3% of active shooters were stopped by, quote, a guy with a gun. Most I mean, stopped by people who are not armed. Not to mention, man, like, I think that if it becomes the philosophy that there should be good guys with the guns everywhere what what happens is that active shooter then seeks them out first and when that is the last line of defense and it's supposed to be like that's the first thing that gets targeted in these scenarios like what do you do then you know so can i can i add to that gato sure so um while i was in grad school i i did a practicum with the orientation office and they were giving the orientation training for all the orientation leaders and they had campus police come on. Now, um, the school that I went to in Indiana, they had state troopers that served as campus police. Um, I asked the question, and I asked the question there when they were talking about active shooter situations on campus, I asked the question like, well, how do you feel about students being armed? And the police chief said, that's probably one of that's probably even more dangerous than like an active shooter because we don't know who the quote unquote good guy with a gun is. We're just going to see somebody with a pistol or a rifle or a shotgun or any kind of firearm. We're not going to ask questions. We're just going to take that person down. Yep. And you have to think that 
the good guy with a gun mentality is great if there's no cops there, but they are trained not to ask questions. Well, technically they're trained not to ask any questions, but anybody with a pistol or anybody with a firearm is perceived to be a threat and they take that person down. And I know I'm just going to cut off the genius that's like, well, maybe we like make them wear like a uniform or a penny or something to make that like that's the person that's like supposed to make everyone safe. Like maybe give them a Superman cape or some shit. I'm going to tell you why that doesn't work, because then guess what the fucking active shooter is going to come dressed as Mm -hmm. that guy. So they'll just be playing Halloween that day. You know what I mean? It's again, these are not the solutions. Right. And and. The thing is that I think what will likely be the scenario here if I was to play a guessing game is that it's going to be families with means are going to go out and buy what I will assume will be backpacks built with fucking like plate armor into them. And it will be the kids with the means that will have all these personal security safety apparatuses going to school and they'll have them. And schools will be redesigned to look like bunkers. And that will be probably the future for kids. And that's, that's what it's going to be because or no they'll one just else go is going to do it. Yeah. Or they'll just go to private schools that can pay for their own security and, or they'll just homeschool them. Yep. Well, that's the other. Yeah. You Which know. is kind of like a Republican wet dream to do all that anyway. Um, but I was also going to add to that, this idea that, a good guy with a gun, as soon as something happens, they're going to respond accordingly and take that person down. There's a lot of research out there that talks about the value of training and repetition to react to situations and not necessarily think about that. Now, I have seen individuals in an open carry state that I would not trust in an active shooter situation. And I think it's a big old vanity project for many people. Like I see, I got a gun. I'm important. Like, no, you're not dude. Like, cause ultimately the people that I would trust are the, probably the ones that have had military service or they are like veteran police officers or they're in a government agency where they have to train for these situations. I don't think the guy who goes to the range every two months, but feels compelled to slap on his nine millimeter when he goes to Harris Teeter to buy a half cake on Fridays. I don't think he's the guy who's going to be saving the the school. And, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, or that type of tactical thinking works for those situations i don't know like every situation is unique i think too and we just had 25 police officers who said that my life is more important than these kids and they're trained and they're paid to do this versus again the guy who is going to pick up bagels on a sunday morning but felt compelled to wear his you know his pistol because it looks cool with his gym shorts and his sliders So with that being said, um, we had two very public shootings that happened within two weeks of each other. And I know that we talked about gun reform and things like that. And I know that we talked about alternatives, but does, is this, do you think this is a persistent enough issue where both sides of the aisle are going to come together and say something has to get done. Uh, no, I'm just going to lead right off on that one because as we have already seen, um, 
the funding is where it really counts and the inactivity that we've already seen with texas's leadership essentially the the funded progeny of the nra at this point um they're just they're not going to do anything they they've deliberately just trying to wait it out by doing as little as possible and taking as few questions as possible and trying to confuse the public about the um the exact details of what happened that day so that they can then say oh it was this only happened because it was a tactical issue or you know um just bad information um and and they're going to try to play that game until the next you know the next tragedy happens and that's all they're waiting for think about it buffalo people forgot about buffalo almost instantly you know i still remember it it's still well in my mind um and and i think a lot of people are saying like we're having too many of these but like what's going on there has completely been drowned out by this tragedy right and that was just as tragic so their probably Cruz and fucking Abbott are just waiting for the next fucking active shooter that does something more devastating. And that's sad. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've, I've given up on expecting the Republicans to do anything. Um, mainly because of the fact that they're just, they're obviously in for it, but uh, I'm going to, going to mention something about the Democrats here because I am a person of the left and, um, I think it's kind of the, the primaries on, uh, the previous Tuesday are kind of an indicator of where the Democrats are kind of spiritually and, you know, mentally at this point. Um, Henry Coyar, uh, who was running for the 28th district in Texas. He is the only pro-life Democrat or anti-abortion Democrat in the house. And he's got an A rating from the NRA and mind you, Texas, obviously all this is going on right now. Um, Nancy Pelosi, all the big Democratic hitters not only endorsed him, but went down to Texas uh, to campaign for him uh, to beat. And by the way, as of right now, it's about 200 votes over Jessica Cineros, who was a Bernie Sanders endorsed candidate. Um, 200 votes, roughly, he beat her. he's beating her by. And there's most likely going to be a recount, but I'm assuming he's already claimed victory, so I'm sure he's going to win. At a time in which we have um, the Supreme Court trying to rip um, body, bodily autonomy, uh, you know, laws away from women, we have mass shooters seemingly every week. The Democrats decided to, because of the fact they didn't want to go with somebody they deemed too far left, um, in a house seat in Texas, they pretty much threw everything away to throw their support behind this guy. Again, an A rating from the NRA and uh, pro anti-abortion. Oh, by the way, under FBI investigation as well. Um, he did some shit with uh, a country in the Middle East, right? Yes, he did. So, beans. so Great for I, the I can tell you everything you need to know uh, about where the Democrats are um, you know, where their headspace is at the moment and how much they actually give a shit about you. I, you know, tells you everything you need to know. I don't feel like I need to say anything more. I don't think you do, sir. I think you made a great point. Um, 
I would agree. God, I think uh, your assholes are <laughs> pretty much in line with this, with this topic. Yeah, I think um, who who else could even top the fucking assholes that we had this week? You know? I have some people. <laughs> so um, I want to highlight the Larry Nasser investigation that happened and the FBI agents that were responsible for investigating him. It was announced quietly last week that um, they are not going to be formally charged with any or reprimanded for the lack of um, thorough investigation into the abuses of Larry Nasser on over 120 gymnastics on the team USA gymnastics team. Um, they, the justice department just said like, yeah, we're not going to file any charges with the, on these individuals. We're not going to do anything. Um, I think the entire Larry Nasser um, situation has really painted team USA gymnastics in a really awful light. Um, it's, it's made Michigan state look very bad because they hired him and employed him for a long period of time and defended him. Um, and ultimately I think it's soured a lot of people on the Olympics themselves because the, the U S Olympic committee was fully pilled on Larry Nasser and they let him get away with this for a very long time. And we didn't believe the women that this was happening to, because that's how this country works. And we don't believe women. And I don't want to put myself in their shoes, but I cannot imagine what Michaela Maroney and Gabby Douglas and, the other members of the team during that time. I can't imagine what they're going through and what they're feeling right now. And again, this is our country, the leaders of this country letting us down simply because they don't think that they can win in fucking court. I think you're going to be able to win in fucking court. If this is a trial of your peers, I think you're going to fucking win. I agree. So congrats to the guys who are not currently named as the FBI investigators because we don't want to you know, ruin their lives. Um, congrats, guys. You're the assholes. Fuck yourselves. They are yeah. fucking assholes. Mine's mine's more of a funny one, I guess, uh, to <laughs> bring the mood back up after, because we've obviously been talking about some serious shit. Um, this person has not yet been named. Um, so recently, it's been a big rash of climate activists who are doing some very odd shit. And look, I'm a I'm a climate activist, and I you know obviously I believe in climate change, and and I think we should do everything in our power to change it. But some of these activists do some weird shit. And uh, recently, there was someone um, uh, today who was arrested, a 36 year old man, because he smeared cake over the Mona Lisa in Louvre, in Paris, France. Uh, now, thankfully, it was behind bulletproof glass, so it was not affected. But this man dressed as an old woman in a wheelchair <laughs> and then got up and then smeared the cake and apparently was screaming, think about the earth. There are people who are destroying the earth. Think about it. All artists think about the earth. Think about the planet. Um, this is also coming on the heels that I don't know if you guys remember this in the NBA playoffs. There was a woman who glued herself to the floor. Um, was there a celebrity that did this too? Yeah. I thought there was a famous person that also did that. Yeah. It, it, 
Is there? I, I, I'm not. I actually not, I'm not aware of that. Shockingly enough, uh, an actor. But yes, yeah, Q. Sorry. Continue on. <laughs> no. It, it, I, again, I, I, I am a, I am a person who obviously, you know, wants to bring awareness to, uh, you know, climate issues as well. But I think this only see, provides more ammo to the right to demonize um, climate activists and. And I again, I don't, I don't understand the purpose uh, more than anything. Um, I, don't, I don't know what dressing as a woman does, um, and smearing cake on the Mona Lisa. You know, it was James Cromwell from Succession. <laughs> oh, that was it. Yeah. No way. He super glued himself to a Starbucks oh, because yeah. to a Starbucks counter <laughs> no, to protest no. like animal rights. Wasn't that because no? Wasn't that not because of the climate? But that was because they stopped serving his like preferred choice of milk at the starbucks yes his his nut milk oh <laughs> yes to stop charging extra for vegan milk yeah that was, that was it. it wasn't even a climate it wasn't even a climate thing <laughs> one could make an argument it has fringe association with climate issues sure. because that's why they want you drinking nut milk sure right um it's a dotted line have you guys ever like actually witnessed like one of these like like um situations because like they are like i think everybody that actually comes away from them is just like that was fucking pointless like i was in the the british museum if you if you go in the the central atrium there there's like a, a main exhibit that is like in the center of of the whole thing and you go up like these stairs to it and you pay, you actually pay for that exhibit. And that one was being hosted by BP. So all these people were dressed in these like black bird costumes. And they just like, they, they basically took over like the, uh, the staircase there. And they had this weird ominous song that was just like, <laughs> BP must die. And <laughs> it was such a weird, it was like, who the fuck wrote this? Like, I thought it was a performance. I didn't realize it was a protest. <laughs> um, like it just seemed like they were doing some sort of weird. Like, I don't know. Kind of yeah, I was like, oh, I didn't know they did. Like, is this a sequel to Cats Birds? Like, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> New hit on Broadway, got it. You didn't hear about it? It's called Birds. <laughs> Birds. Well, everybody knows they're not fucking real, so uh, that's not <laughs> yeah, gonna last exactly. long. Fucking made by the CIA. That's right. NPCs, baby. Jesus Christ. Oh boy! Thank you for that. We needed that cue. <laughs> yeah, I figured bring up the spirits a little bit and laugh at some thirty. Who? Uh, anybody got a pick? And we want to start with a pick. Yeah, I have two picks actually for this week. Um, no. The f- the first one is a book. Um, it's by David Olshinsky. Olshinsky, and it's titled Bellevue: Three Centuries of Medicine and Mayhem in America's Most Storied Hospital. And I'm on kind of like a public service uh, kick right now with the post office, as you all know. And Bellevue is a public hospital, um, meaning that in many cases, you don't need any kind of health insurance to go there. Many of their patients are of low socioeconomic status. And it's I had known about Bellevue, but unfortunately, I'd only known it for like the, uh, the mental hospital or the insane asylum, as it was once known. And turns out that Bellevue is one of like the original public works projects of the United States. And it has been a 
like a leader in a number of different fields in terms of medical research and how it's worked with patients. And it's the oldest run hospital in the United States, I believe at this point. And it's gone through so many different iterations from a pest house to um, like getting expanded to fighting typhoid fever to the influenza pandemic to polio. Um, It's one of the first places where electroshock therapy was done. Um, It was one of the only hospitals on the East coast that was willing to fully combat the AIDS pandemic and had an Ebola um, unit as well when that was a major incident in 2014. But the main theme is that this hospital has always been historically underfunded, but it's always done the most work. And there's a, there's a part of the, the book that they were talking about, the, the preparation they were making for the 9-11 attack. And they were watching the attack happen on the news. And they, they describe a scene where all of the doctors and nurses and orderlies are standing in the waiting area, scrubbed up with gloves on, ready to go. And nobody is coming in. Like they only end up serving like 190 people who um, came from ground zero. And the author explains that in many cases where there's like a major attack like that, there's three radiate three radii. One is you die instantly. The second one is you are gravely ill or have serious injuries that in all likelihood are going to be fatal. The third one is you have little to no, like made you have little, have very few injuries and you're part of like the walking wounded. What happened on nine 11 is they basically skipped the second radii or the, the second radius. So you were either killed on impact at ground zero or you only had minor scratches and some burns and you inhaled a lot of dust. And that's kind of one of the more haunting things about it is that many of the people that were in that third component, they were either too ashamed or too stunned to go to the hospital and they just walked back to their houses. Wow. And just hearing like, like this is a this is a hospital that's had to deal with some major things, including like Hurricane Sandy, and they were completely stunned by how 9/11 was so was so like violent and so cataclysmic that ultimately the only people that really got out of it were the ones who were just covered in dust at the end. It's just very very weird. Um, but great great book, loved it. Um, I recommend anyone go out there and find it. Go to your local library. I hope there's a library book I can find, a, a book about libraries. I feel like that's the next order of business for me. Um, but again, it's called Bellevue, Three Centuries of Medicine and Mayhem, and America's Most Storied Hospital by David Oshinsky. My second pick, um, I don't know if we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but it's the Netflix series, the Worst Roommate Ever. I don't think so. It is so fucked up. It's all of these stories about um, people who have lived with individuals who are not who they're supposed to be. So one of them was about this woman who ran a boarding house who would murder her, um, the people that she was boarding. Many of them were like 
in drug rehab or they had serious mental illnesses, ultimately people that the world was not going to remember or worry about. And she would just, she killed like seven or eight of them and buried them in her backyard. Um, Another one was insane, by the way, that was, she, she faked her identity because no one would actually let anybody be under her purview. If they knew who she actually was, she had spent lots of times um, in jail um, and she had faked her identity. She was actually dressing up like she was older. She was trying to be 20 years older than she was, right? Yeah, dude. She was pretending to be this old, like, super nice lady. And everyone was just like, oh, she's the best. Except for the one dude that she kept around that was that never said anything because he knew if he said anything, he was done. So, um. And, and there was he, a, yeah, there was a two parter at the end of it too, about this guy who was like a notorious like squatter and he would move huh? in with people and just make their lives a living hell. And it has a really fucking wild twist at the end of it. But, um, worst roommate ever on Netflix, go out there and watch it. I think it's five or six episodes, but it's, it's badass. Like I was pleasantly surprised on how good it was. Cause you know, I normally don't get into stuff like that. Like the true crime stuff is not, not normally where in my wheelhouse, but that was really good. It's 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 almost like a horror show. It is watching that shit. <laughs> and it's the same production company, too, that did uh, the John Wayne Gacy um, documentary, too. I think they it's the Bloomhouse. They have I guess they have like a contract with Netflix where they're just making these really twisted documentaries. But that yeah, one was fire. It. That was great. I loved it. Yeah, shout out to Bloomhouse. You guys are crushing it with the, the horrifying fucking documentaries. Nothing scarier than real life, that's for sure. Um, my- I'll go. Uh, my pick is Stranger Things, the new season. Interesting. Um, I don't know. Are you guys fans of the show? I kind of fell off of it. All right. I feel like there was a long layoff between season three and season oh, four. Like- Am I wrong? There was, yeah, because of COVID <laughs> and everything, yeah. They're all, like, 19 years old now. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, yeah it's, um, but you know what? They still crush it. I, I love the writing on that show. It's a unique, it's a very original, creative storyline. Um, And they still do it while bringing nostalgia from, like, the 80s in and everything like that. Um, The cast, you just come to love them. Um, and you really are rooting for them. And there's, I, I finished it almost in like one sitting, to be honest. And there's one episode in particular, um, a scene with Max. I just, I thought it was fucking great. If you're pilled on Stranger Things, you're definitely going to be pilled on the latest season. They add a new big bad, and it's a great new big bad. So that's that's also another great thing about it. Is the entire cast back? Yeah. Or are they yeah, missing yeah. people? Everyone's there. How did I think of? Funny funny thing about that show, it was supposed to be a uh, it was supposed to be an analogy, but because people were like love the kids so much, they they just kept literally doing new seasons with them. That's uh, wild. Yeah. The, um, you know, I think the one thing was that like the timing of it wasn't great because it's again putting kids in school and in danger, but they just make such a good, compelling story with a, all of it that... Like, yeah, that actor um, plays the sheriff. David Harbour. Yeah. yeah. Man. 
and and he does not disappoint in this season either. Awesome. Uh, well, I'll definitely try and catch up on it soon. I'm actually going to stick with the TV show as well. Uh, it's a show called Atlanta on FX. Uh, I've heard about this show for a long time. I'm a huge Donald Glover fan, or a.k.a. Childish Gambino, as he's also known as. Um, <laughs> he's a comedian slash rapper. Um, I had heard he won multiple Global, uh, Golden Globes for this show, and it really is incredible. I, I actually have already blasted through the first two seasons of it. Um, it's He plays a Princeton dropout who's basically now managing... Uh, his cousin, who is an up-and-coming rapper. Uh, but it really is not, like, it sounds so surface-level, but it's really quite deep. Uh, it targets things, it, it goes into things like racism, existentialism, um, but it really is, like, it does it in a way that's not preachy. Um, it's extremely entertaining. It veers off in many different directions, um, and I think a lot of that is because the cast is so good. Yeah, it's a dynamite show. Yeah, you're talking about Brian Tyree Henry, uh, Keith Stainfield, uh, Zazie Beats, Donald Glover, just really, really talented people. So I think it's hard after the first season to peg them all down. Uh, This third season just ended. The fourth season's coming out either at the end of this year or it's going to be the final season. Um, If you have not, I, I waited a long time to finally get into it. Don't wait. It's really, really good. I'm on Hulu right now. What did you think about the uh, the Michael Jackson esque episode? Eddie Perkins. <laughs> that was awesome, and I found out the other day that apparently everyone on set knew it was Donald Glover doing it, except for Lakeith Stanfield. So <laughs> filmed that entire episode, not knowing that that was Donald Glover doing that. Which he's like, That's this amazing. is dude as hell. How did they find this guy? And then lo and behold, it was Donald Glover the entire time. It's fucking incredible. Is, is that your favorite episode? Uh, it's up there. Yeah, it's definitely up there for sure. Um, yeah, I, I would say so. Just because it, I love the fucking zaniness of this show. It's because it really is so weird. I just watched the uh, first episode of season three uh, last And it goes into, I believe the, the child's name was Devontae Hart. Um it's uh he was wearing that free hug sign he was later uh deemed killed and it, it really does go into like a lot of like really really good social issues with again without you even really knowing it um and uh i mean donald glover is just such a talent i mean you go back from like i know god you're a community fan as well right oh yeah yeah fully killed on that too <laughs> <laughs> yeah um it's a really great dynamic uh between all of it yeah, like that. That's the thing. Is like I, with that show, the last second of the episode is usually the punchline to the running joke of the entire episode. Right. And it's kind of like it's it's really brilliant how everything gets pulled together at the very end. I think my favorite episode has to be the one where he loses his coat and he's looking for the coat. Yeah, that was, that was good. That yeah, like. It's just the way that it all comes together. Like it's a masterpiece. It is total masterpiece. It, there's uh the barbershop episode is also incredible. That that yeah. no Donald Glover in it. It's basically um, Brian Tyree Henry's character Paperboy is trying to get a haircut from his barber, 
and it basically turns into like an entire day where they eventually end up robbing somebody. Um, hitting, <laughs> and basically, it's like the whole entire day. He's like, "We just got to do this one last thing. I'll give you the haircut." And it's like all day, basically. Yeah, uh, that's a good pretty, one. It's pretty incredible. But there was, there's also like, I mean, there, there's one where they go to the college, um, and they end up at the fraternity, like the racist fraternity. With like the big, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it really is just an insane show that I'm like I can't believe like where because like it really is it starts one way and you never really know where it's gonna go, and it's incredible about like I think for the show there's a general direction that the the characters are going in, but each yeah. episode episode to episode you don't know what's gonna happen, you know. There's- also a re- like it, it takes place in our world but there are things that are different like justin bieber is black in this universe which i think <laughs> um that that episode is great where he pretends to be um some agent and he, he ends up like you know like getting like cards and all that and then the lady who got him in there was like i know you're the one who fucked me over i'm gonna ruin your life and he's like i'm not him <laughs> like but he's already played the part too long that it's it, it, again. I, I like if you have not watched it yet, do it immediately. Do it's, yourself that favor, folks. Yeah, it's a, it's an incredible show. Donald Glover is a fucking genius. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the article right now. Lakeith Stanfield mad about finding out Donald Glover is Teddy Perkins. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, it's just that that is just the funniest thing because it's like you like you. It just seems like something he would. Which is just, so great i think that's one of the things that i appreciate about the show and i had watched like the first two seasons and at that point i kind of lost track of fx on my tv but i i appreciate shows that could start in one direction and end in the other but it's not like you feel like you know a sleight of hand to get you there like the simpsons were very good at that at the beginning and shows that can kind of take you on a weird ride but you're laughing the whole time and it's it's a very dry show too. Extremely. Yeah. Because the, the yeah. situations that they're in are ridiculous, but they're funny as hell. <laughs> <laughs> there there's a lot of heart too though, because there's there's one episode in which like because obviously the, what I love about the main character, which is Donald Glover's urn, is that he is obviously very smart. He went to print went to Princeton and like it's it's marketed that he's a very intelligent guy, but he also has no real good like life skills yeah and he you know he's managing his cousin and he's not doing a good job at it and there's like there's a thought process of like is he gonna get fired from his like is his cousin gonna fire him and you see the like the like the him grappling with the idea of like it's my family but at the same time it's like i have to do what's like is it best to just do the do the thing that's hard and and you know hurt your family member, but yeah. and I think paper paper boy is almost a metaphor for like an everyman. Yeah, because he he's he's very underground at the moment. He's not he's not famous. He's not rich. He's well, yeah, not- no, I mean, in in specifically, like the way that problems arise for him. Yeah, like he has a lot of times he has a moral dilemma. Um around whatever that problem is that that comes to him there's like a lot of the stories around him like are central to like he has a moral dilemma he has to 
fix. And then he goes on this crazy journey for that. You know what I mean? And as crazy as the show is, the characters are extremely authentic and don't yeah. do, you know, too often in TV shows, you get characters that are doing things that you're like, no person would do that. Yeah. And, and in this way, in a lot of ways, like the show is very grounded, but it's, it's very much almost like it almost has like an office quality to it where it's like, they kind of like, they might as well be looking at the camera sometimes because it's like the situations are so absurd. Which is what I love about it. I love the absurdity of it sometimes. I, I would say, especially with the show, don't count out the chance that they might break a fourth wall somewhere. Alone. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just, it really is incredible how the characters are grounded in a world that's so absurd. So. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, let's wrap this up. Yeah, folks. Well, that does it for another episode of the Second Mouse podcast. Um, Apologize for this one being a little heavier, just given the circumstances, but we normally try to keep things pretty light and keep them funny. Um, This show would not be possible without listeners like you. So give us five stars and review on your favorite streaming platforms and and share this up and share the show with your friends, too. I think there's a lot of folks that could really do well with a good side of the argument and a laugh every now and again. Lastly, do us a favor and follow us on the Second Mouse podcast and all your favorite social media accounts. We are hot right now on Instagram and Twitter. So just search Second Mouse podcast and give us a like and a follow. So we normally share some pretty funny shit, including some good reels that we're able to create. So do us a favor and share. We also take asshole of the week and pick of the week recommendations. So you can just DM us on Instagram or Twitter and let us know how you're feeling. For sure. And yeah, thank you guys for listening. We've heard some feedback lately and we're really pumped you guys are liking the show. Um, we're going to keep it up and try not to let you down, all right? Yeah, thank you all to the Germany people who are listening too. Appreciate you. And positive feedback only. I don't want to hear any negative. Yeah, good vibes only or get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Later. I'm tired. I'm so, I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to to the devastated families that are out there i'm so tired of the excuse me i'm sorry i'm tired of the moments of silence enough all of you senators who refuse to do anything about the violence and school shootings and supermarket shootings i ask you are you going to put your own desire for power ahead of the lives of our children had enough.